0: Hello, and welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. I'm Chantal, and I'll be your host today alongside the lovely Susan Anthony. How are you doing today, Susan? I'm doing great. It's nice to be behind the microphone again. Absolutely. Well, today's episode is super exciting because we're here with Nicholas Handfield-Jones, the newest member of the GradCast editorial board. So welcome, Nicholas.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
2: So, Nicholas, uh, you are in neuroscience, uh, I hear, I've hear i heard, and um, you're in the lab of...
1: Yes, I'm a first-year master's student of neuroscience, and I'm in the lab of Dr. Penny McDonald.
2: So, what is the overall research that's going on in Dr. McDonald's lab?
1: So, we study a variety of things, really, um, but I would say most of our studies fall under the umbrella of looking at cognition of various different diseases, Uh, most of the time we are looking at Parkinson's disease so we do a variety of experiments on people with Parkinson's disease and then we also do these experiments on uh, healthy controls and we are uh, doing these tasks um, uh, on both of these population groups to compare and contrast what goes wrong uh, in Parkinson's disease but also to see what um, brain regions do uh, for cognition um, and also uh, how these brain regions react um, when we're doing neuroimaging.
2: That's great. Um, it, it's great that you're researching it. So tell us, what is uh, Parkinson's disease? And like, uh, what are the symptoms of it? Who tends to get it? And what do we think it causes it? Yeah, or we, so I mean, the human race thinks causes <laughs> it.
1: Yeah, so Parkinson's disease is... Um, mostly found in elderly, um, an elderly population. The most of the time it's men who develop it, but women do get it as well. And it's characterized mainly by, um, well, not mainly, but commonly characterized by movement um, uh, symptoms. So people with Parkinson's disease will come in uh, with Tremor is a common symptom. Uh, Sometimes they'll be just like shaking. Shaking, yes. So their hands will be shaking. That sort of thing. Um, Sometimes their legs as well. Uh, They may sometimes also have a shuffling step. Um, Sometimes they will have a slow slowness of movement. So these movement problems are a common characteristic of, of Parkinson's disease. But more recently, um, the literature and the research has been more interested as well in the cognitive aspects of Parkinson's disease. So what
2: is cognition? Right. We've heard that term. I just always thought mm -hmm. it just means thinking.
1: Yeah. So cognition is really a vague term, but it constitutes a variety of different ways that people behave. So... Um, A good way to describe it is when you think of those IQ tests where you're doing all these different little games, right? Those are testing for various aspects of cognition. So those include things like memory, attention, learning, those kind of things that people do to think and go about in the world. And so in Parkinson's disease, we do find that there are some cognitive deficits as well. Oh, okay. um, but that's been kind of ignored in the research for a long time. And it's only recently that those are starting to be of more interest. And so that's really the, the crux of what we're looking at is the cognitive aspects.
2: Okay. So mm-hmm. not, it's not just the outwardly visible symptoms, the shaking, yes, you say, yes. but it's also possible like difficulties in problem solving or other things other things you look at. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it's especially important because, um, in fact, when you ask people with Parkinson's disease what affects their quality of life more, um, when you do experiments looking at those things and questionnaires with um, these patients, they will actually tell you that their cognitive symptoms are more um, problematic for their quality of life. They're able to deal with the motor problems, but the cognitive problems less so. Mm. And that's, That's probably because um, we have pretty robust medication for those movement problems. Um, The famous one is Levodopa, otherwise known as L-Dopa. And this medication does um, treat their movement problems fairly well, but it doesn't treat their cognitive problems as well. And in Mm -hmm. fact, when you do treat them with L-DOPA. Sometimes you can treat some cognitive problems, but then others arise. Mm, so it's wow. this big puzzle that our research is trying to solve about what kind of cognitive problems come up and why, that sort of thing.
2: So we have these these physical symptoms and we have these cognitive, and I'm going to now use that term <laughs> <laughs> now that I know that it means a whole bunch of things. Um, so we have these other symptoms, but um, they must come from sort of the same problem or mm-hmm. the source so what is the um, at this point what is the medical community human race believe is causes all of these symptoms right
1: so the the trademark I would say brain deficit um, that quote-unquote causes Parkinson's disease um, is in a brain nuclei it's a nuclei in neuroscience is basically a word that means a a cluster of neurons and neurons are basically brain cells so um, there is a brain nucleus called the substantia nigra it's Latin for black substance and that means that it actually it it is actually black when you look at it in a brain slice oh cool and uh, this region produces dopamine and in people with Parkinson's disease this region depletes. So the dopamine oh. producing cells actually wear away. And oh. so these patients do not have dopamine signaling from this region compared to healthy controls.
2: And that's why uh, treatment for Parkinson's is to
0: give that
1: yes. back
2: because they're
0: losing yeah. So it. that's why lev- levodopa, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. L- L-dopa. L-dopa. L-Dopa uh, okay, yeah. okay.
1: And L-dopa is um, a medication that Increases um, dopamine levels in the brain, and it's to supplement the lack of dopamine that they have.
0: Okay. And so, if that's going on in this, it's, you said it's called the black region,
1: the substantia nigra. So
0: the sub uh, yeah, <laughs> the substantia nigra. Yes. and and we have like a treatment that can give dopamine. Is there there must be something else, another like another nuclei, or another mm-hmm. region involved to have these cognitive aspects that yeah. maybe so aren't the treated. The
1: Yeah. So dopamine, when I say the substantia nigra produces dopamine, that already is opening a giant (laughs) textbook, (laughs) essentially. (laughs) But, but uh, no, 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 it's okay. Uh, So, but I can basically summarize it like this. So the substantia nigra, when it produces dopamine, um, that dopamine causes a wide range of effects. And that's because the um, the so-called neuron projections. So where these neurons are going mm-hmm. is to multiple brain regions, and those brain regions that they're going to will cause different effects. Okay. So one, the famous example with the substantia nigra is that it initiates movement. Okay. So in the cl- when we talk about Parkinson's disease um, and the most famous of its symptoms, the movement problems, mm. when you have a lack of substantia nigra producing dopamine, you'll have problems with movement. So when you do introduce dopamine again, it'll help with those things. Okay. With cognition, we have seen experiments, um, a wide range of experiments in rodents, in primates, but also in patients with lesions to the substantia nigra. Mm -hmm. So where their substantia nigra is damaged, Mm -hmm. um, we can see what goes wrong in those patients in terms of cognition okay so we've seen this as substantia nigra also um is responsible for things like um decision making okay Mm. so choosing one object over another Mm -hmm. um things like um gauging importance and attention Um, things like memory it's Mm. important for those kind of things
2: has a lot going on to a lot going on yeah so uh, is it, um, this is sort of a general question mm-hmm. about the brain. So I always thought of it as just sort of one organ. Right. With a whole bunch of these these cells, these mm-hmm. wires going around in it. But you're, it sounds like there, but I have heard about different regions of the brain controlling different things. Mm-hmm. So is that, you're, you're, is that the kind of thing you're looking at is these different regions?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, in essence, um, yes, the brain is we've the neuroscience community has really um, divided these uh, the entire brain into multiple different areas there's some limitations to that of course but it really helps to understand what's going on Um, and especially for research with the aim of like helping patients you you need to know if we're going to end up down the line developing like new drugs or therapies whatever We need to know, like, how to target, what to target. And Mm. to do that, we need to divide the brain, which is this giant region with 100 billion neurons, into... It's one of those
2: numbers you can't understand. Exactly.
1: And even uh, on that note, even worse is that uh, all those neurons connect with each other, and those connections are actually where the activity is happening. And the number of those connections is estimated to be 100 trillion uh, Holy I know. Yeah, after a yeah.
0: hundred billion, I, so I, I lose track.
1: Uh, so we we definitely need to divide the brain somehow, mm-hmm. and um, that's kind of how we get these statements such as like the substantia nigra does this. Okay. Of course, it's always more complex than that, but it's a good <laughs> I mean estimate. The brain's more complex than <laughs> that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. So so is it
2: just mm. this region? You, you've noticed a difference in yeah, Parkinson's so versus non-Parkinson's patients?
1: Yeah. So. Um, this region in particular but also uh, one of the most um, uh, one of the regions that it projects dopamine to the most is called the stratum and the stratum is um, a region in the brain that's so-called subcortical and so what I mean by that is so imagine the brain is like a planet um the cortex is the surface of the planet it's that bumpy part that is very famous <laughs>
2: okay the p- stuff you see when exactly you
1: when you brain. look on the outside yeah. but subcortex are all the brain regions below that so it would okay. be like the planet core right uh, okay not to say that they're more or less important but that they're beneath them. Um, Anatomy. Yeah,
0: like talking like the, yeah, like, the yeah, locale. Yeah, the locale. The locales yeah. beneath, not, not yeah. their yeah. actual <laughs> status. <Yes. laughs>
1: um, and so the stratum is part of the basal ganglia, which is a um, collection of these um, subcortical regions. And the substantia nigra sends dopamine to the stratum. And so that striatum loses a lot of the dopamine that it should be getting. And the striatum, after it gets dopamine, it projects to cortical regions and so on. And that whole loop causes all those various effects. So
2: the source is cut off, so everything downstream is cut off. So we study
1: the the striatum a lot as well. Um, In fact, um, a lot of our research aims to um, look at the differences between the dorsal and ventral striatum this okay. is a way that the striatum is divided. Um, and we see some um, differences in uh, the way that those two regions affect behavior and cognition as well. So a lot of our research looks into the striatum um, as well.
0: And how? So how does your, your lab go about um, investigating these kinds
1: of questions? Right. So uh, in a lot of different ways, um, we do a lot of behavioral tasks which means that people with parkinson's come in and you know do things like pointing at dots and measuring like what that does we've also done some eeg stuff as well
0: What i eat what's um EEG?
1: it's um so have you ever seen a picture or heard about um Uh, experiments where you put this kind of net on someone's head with all those different electrodes. Mm -hmm. So that's the EEG. And it measures cortical activity, so the cortex, the surface. Okay, okay. Um, But what I do um, is neuroimaging. So using MRI, uh, um, magnetic resonance imaging, and that allows us to take pictures of the brain um, and really examine these in living people.
0: Now I understand that here at Western doing uh, neuroimaging is actually kind of like a cool thing to do because Western has like a, I don't know if equipment is the right word or we have like gear here that's pretty special. Can you tell us yeah. about that?
1: We are really privileged to be at Western to study these things because um, at the Roberts Research Institute which is on the Western campus or just next to the Western campus in terms of technicalities, (laughs) um, it has um, both a three Tesla and a seven Tesla MRI. So when I talk about Teslas, I mean that um, different magnetic field strengths. So MRI works by sending a giant magnetic field strength and using a whole complex process of physics that allows us to measure the brain. And when you increase that magnetic strength, you can get a higher resolution. Okay. So basically, like so you can see, sm- you can see it better. better. So, like you know, if you imagine going from your s- old standard television to a high definition television, you'd of course see better images. Mm-hmm. But a seven
0: Tesla, that's not just a high definition television. That's like
1: it measures to about zero point seven millimeter resolution. Um, so that's quite small.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to think of what what's a what's a human hair. That looks oh, like I have point. Three, I
1: think. So <laughs> It's so small. Very, yeah, small yeah, very, very small. Very, very small. Yeah, yeah. Um, And uh, the seven Tesla is really special because um, uh, most research is done using three Tesla, okay. um, which is great. Um, in fact, hospitals typically use a 1.5 Tesla, mm. which is great for clinical use. Okay. But a lot of research has used three Tesla. But for these very small brain regions like the substantia nigra, Sometimes three Tesla is not good enough to show where they are or how to um, demarcate them from its surrounding brain Mm -hmm. regions. Um, In fact, there's um, another brain nucleus that I look at called the ventral tegmental area that's right beside the substantia nigra. Mm. So the the three Tesla has trouble separating those two. Mm -hmm. So the seven Tesla is a great opportunity to look at those two regions under really high resolution um to see h- how they are separate and we can do this in living people and that's the great thing mm-hmm. um because so it's
2: not like a damaging thing because i i don't know much about mris but it's a uh, e- damaging you mean to, to the patient
1: no not at all um completely non-invasive um no side effects at all So Um, when you
2: say you experiment on humans, it's not as scary as it sounds. (laughs) So really
1: with MRI, all that we're doing is, you know, it's basically like a big donut. It's like a (laughs) tube, basically. And we put the person in the tube and they're there for about an hour. And then they come out and we have beautiful pictures of their brain.
2: wonderful. So you work with these images?
1: Yes, yes.
2: And so what are you looking for? You mentioned depletion of the... (laughs) dark region uh, n- <laughs> I, I just niagara, all i'm yes. hearing is niagara <laughs> every yeah. time you say that so i'm like i'm just thinking a waterfall yeah but i know that's not what it is the, the dark region
1: yes so the basically the substantia niagara comes from latin for mm-hmm. black substance um that's basically the thing it's a good way to remember it um yeah so um the project that I'm currently doing really constitutes two parts. Okay. So the first part is only looking at the healthy controls. So I've taken um, 20 healthy control participants, um, elderly uh, population, and I've scanned them on both the three Tesla and the seven Tesla. Um, and I do that basically to see what the gain you get from three to seven Tesla is. So that's why I do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what I'm really looking at is, um, so those two brain nuclei I talked about, the substantia nigra and the ventral tegmental area, which are both very important for a wide range of human behavior, movement, cognition. First of all, how are they anatomically located in living people? Mm -hmm. But also, how do they connect to the other regions of the brain? So I talked about that moments ago, but um, more specifically, so these two brain regions, classically in neuroscience, but even in current times, in the literature and textbooks and just co- in common knowledge, um, the way they're talked about are such that they project to separate brain regions. Okay. So let's say that the, <laughs> the dark region <laughs> and this other ventral tegmental area they will project to region c what one of them will project to region c let's say and one will project to region d let's say so that's how they're they're talking walking away from each other yeah they're walking away from each other um but we've seen in rodents and in primates that it's more so that they kind of both project to the same areas but just to different extents So, they will both project to C and D, but maybe one will project more, Mm. the other might project less so, that sort of thing. Now, in the last five years, um, research has looked at this, but most of them have been done on 1.5 or 3 Tesla. Ah. So we're doing it on 7 Tesla because we think that that will be much more accurate Mm -hmm. um, and uh, to see how those regions project to the rest of the brain.
2: Oh, that's so cool. You're looking at this. So um, it's kind of an aside, but how do you get participants?
1: Right. So we, um, through a variety of means, so we have posters. um, We have a database with some volunteers that we can phone. um, Yeah, basically those are the two ways. And then um, with uh, the second part of the project, which is looking at how those neuron projections look like in people with Parkinson's disease, Um, we're actually testing people with Parkinson's who have been recently diagnosed. How do those look like in people with Parkinson's disease? And so the Parkinson's disease patients, we have basically a database of participants, um, potential volunteers essentially.
0: And do you when you have the participants, either the controls or the people with Parkinson's um, in the MRI scanner, Mm -hmm. do you have them like, do they just like chill in there for a while and then you're done? Or do you have them do activities? Yeah.
1: So for my experiment, most of the time they just chill. Okay. okay, OK. And that's because it takes a long time to take these pictures, Mm -hmm. um, especially with the methods that we're using to take these pictures. So without going into too much detail. Um, MRI works such that some, the way that, um, you send out the way that these brain regions are measured, there's kind of different ways to measure them. Okay. And so we're measuring them in all those different ways. And that to allows see which us is best. Well, they all kind of measure different thing and then oh. we're going to kind of compound them. You so you get like a oh, holistic yeah, picture. So like oh, one cool. of them will measure just like the anatomy. So like that classic picture of the brain. Yeah. One of them will measure, for instance, the level of, um, so one of them will measure like how those neurons project. Okay. Um, we're also doing something where we measure the iron content um, mm. um, because the substantia nigra and the ventral tegmental area do have iron in them. So mm. that might be another way that we can more accurately measure them.
0: Is it a very technical question to ask, how, you, how do you measure iron
1: content? It's quite technical. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> actually, like even how do you do MRIs? Quite technical. Okay. <laughs> but um, I've yeah. resisted asking how they yeah. work because I've tried
0: to read up
2: on how it's MRIs work. It's very crazy. How yeah. did do, How did Don't you, you learn
0: to? Like, have you been? Have you learned to work with these MRIs throughout just these last twelve months? That you cr- kind of crash course in this Basically, stuff. Basically, yeah.
1: So there are technicians who like actually operate the machines. Okay, but in terms of learning it, um, you know, there's a lot of work. You know, out there li- mm-hmm. in the literature, but actually, there's a pretty good um, supportive community um, of MRI um, here um, and also at the Robarts Research Institute. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, three weeks ago, I went to a Brain Hack, um, which was at um, uh, at Western and at the Brain Hack, it was we were, you know, coming up with ways to like do different kinds of MRI scans, that sort of thing. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. So there's a very supportive community about learning this technical stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that's good. It sounds like people are coming together to find out the best mm-hmm. way to look at things mm-hmm. and helping each other out. So you're, uh, we talked about this year and f- finishing up, uh, well, not really first year, but coming into the end of your first year in neuroscience uh, yes. d- of a two-year program. Yeah, Pro- it'll around. be a two-year master's. Two-year master's. So um, what uh, what brought you to this? Did you West, do Western as, or sorry, were you at Western uh, for your undergrad and heard about it or you come from elsewhere?
1: I actually did my, I come from Canada. I'm from Ottawa originally, but I actually did my undergrad in Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. um, And when I was there, I got the opportunity to work um, under Dr. Peter Peter Vorn, who studies dopamine um, and how it uh, connects in the brain, how it works, how it projects, that sort of stuff. And I got very interested in that. And so then when I was looking for masters um, projects to do, um, I was looking at, you know, researchers in Canada and um, Dr. Penny McDonald really was working on stuff that I was interested in, because what I was looking at in undergrad was really how dopamine works both on the motor aspects and the cognition, mm. yeah. Um, so fits in well. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: And so you, you found Western and Dr. Mm-hmm. McDonald and yep. her lab. Well, we're glad to have you. It sounds <laughs> like you're doing really great things. And it's great that you have um, this facility, these facilities, these equipment. Yeah, to we're very lucky question. here to have that. So, so how, how are you liking the, the neuroscience here now?
1: It's great, you know, um, I really like um, the people we work with. We have a really great collaborative lab. Um, we really do work together on all these different projects. Um, in fact, um, the project that I've been talking about is just coming to a close. We just scanned our last control today. Um, and we have a few more Parkinson's patients to go. Um, and so we're starting up new projects now. That's um, looking at different diseases. So things like oh. obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh. Um, we're going to be looking at people with addiction. And mm-hmm. there's this group of patients who have the so-called Parkinson's plus diseases, which oh, is quite complex, so I won't go into that. <laughs> but these are all going to be neuroimaging. So a lot of imaging going on. And so we're all getting our hands in all these various studies. So it's g- great and collaborative. Um, but be even ble- beyond the lab, there's um, a great community um, at the Brain and Mind Institute and in the neuroscience program. It's it's really wonderful.
2: Well, Nicholas Hanfield-Jones, it is so great to have you here and we can't wait to hear more of your voice as a, a host and possibly producer here at gradcast and to talk to you maybe when you're, you're done to hear how everything came to be and everything completed um thank you so much you've been listening to gradcast my name is susan anthony i'm here with co-host Chantal Lamar. thanks for listening guys And I just want to say that GradCast is a production of the Society of Graduate Students here at Western University. We are on CHRW 6 p.m. every Tuesday night, and you can grab us as a podcast either from our website, gradcast.ca, or wherever fine podcasts are found. If you would like to be a guest on our show, if you have great ideas for shows, or if you'd like to be part of the group, it's a lot of fun. We're... I'm hoping Nick will enjoy his time with us. We're excited uh, to have him. <laughs> I'm we excited are. as well. And, uh, and we, we do have a lot of fun. So uh, if you are interested or want to contact us in any way, uh, you can either you know hit us up on social media, Twitter, uh, Instagram, any of that, or email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com. Thanks so much for checking in, guys.